Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Our guest today on our game day segment is Michigan beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Before we get to him, let's get things started with a few of my thoughts. It was another great season for Coach Beeline and his team. I was disappointed watching the Texas Tech game, though, because of the way we lost. I really don't think we could shoot that poorly again in a game if we tried to. I will say this, Texas Tech was the best defensive team I've seen in years, and their offense was better than I thought it would be, probably better than Red Raider fans expected it would be. But that's what I love about the tournament. You can't figure anything out. You have to be hitting on all cylinders, and of course, you have to have some luck. That really does help. If we're being honest about this season, we knew it might end this way. It seems as if we went through these offensive funks each and every game this year, but our defense bailed us out along the way, while our offense did just enough. But we knew sooner or later, if you go cold, especially against elite competition, you go home. So it was on Thursday night in Anaheim. We went stone cold against a red-hot Texas Tech playing elite basketball on both ends of the floor. And that was it for another year. My guest today says he understands why Michigan fans are disappointed. The bar has been raised for Michigan basketball. Expectations have changed, thanks to Coach Beeline and what he's done. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News joins us next with his thoughts on another great season of Michigan Hoops here on The Michigan Man in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment to talk Michigan hoops, how the season ended, and what lies ahead for Coach B and the guys. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. Great to have you back with us, James. Good to be back. Well, we've had almost, not quite, but almost a week to digest Michigan's loss in the Sweet 16, and uh, we know now they lost to a darn good Texas Tech team, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, Texas Tech, I think they probably weren't getting as much credit as they deserved I mean heading into the tournament I know they they were known for their their defense obviously they were one of the top ranked teams I think they had the top um, rating in defensive efficiency and Ken Palms rating and they were also third in scoring defense in the nation um, and then the, the knock on them I guess was their their offense they weren't as good offensively as people um, thought they were I mean I, th- I think they were in like the low 30s or something like that um, in Ken Palms um, offensive efficiency maybe even lower than that um, but yeah, I mean, just the game against Michigan, they just looked like a team that's capable of making noise. And I wouldn't even be surprised if they made it to the title game, just the way that they performed. And obviously they followed up that went against Michigan um, by beating Gonzaga. And I mean, if you look at what Texas Tech did in the, in the NCAA tournament so far, it's, they've held every single team they faced almost to their worst offensive game of the season. I mean, they held Buffalo to their season on points. They held Gonzaga under... 70 for like the fourth time all season. They held them almost 20 points under their average. Um, they held Michigan to, you know, their 44 points, their lowest point total, I think, in since 2015 it was, I think, when they lost to Eastern Michigan. Um, so, I mean, Texas Tech's uh, defense is legit. I mean, I think they've proved that. So, um, and I honestly wasn't surprised. I think I was one of the few people that predicted them uh, to lose just because, as we saw in those first two games Michigan had against Florida and Montana, they kind of had those offensive lulls like they've had all season long and 
um, they were able to withstand him. I remember in Florida they had the one stretch where I think they only scored three points over like a six or seven minute stretch, and it was on three free throws from Jordan Poole. Um, and I mean that they were able to withstand that, and it didn't affect their defense at all during that during that stretch. But against Texas Tech, I think you could see that all those misses were just kind of snowballing, and it started to affect their defense. And I think that's kind of what led to the everything kind of just crumbling there, and um, you know them just kind of falling apart in the Sweet 16 at Texas Tech. Well, you mentioned Jordan Poole. Jordan, after the game, said we picked a bad night to have a bad night. And as good as that Texas uh, Tech D was, and it was as good as I've seen in a long time, uh, it was just horrendous shooting, to put it mildly, uh, from Michigan. And I I know, again, give credit to Texas Tech's defense, but there were a lot, a lot of open looks that Michigan just missed on. Yeah, they had had several threes. If you you think back at it, they had, I think they had at least four or five that kind of rolled in and out. Um, I know John Teske had one, Isaiah Livers had one, Eli Brooks had one. Um, it just seemed like no matter what they did, they just couldn't get a shot to drop. And I mean, I think if you if you go back to the stats, I don't think they even hit a jump shot until there was, I think, ten minutes left in the game. Like yeah. everything they were getting was at the rim. And I mean, they they finished one for nineteen from three point range, and that one three came on, you know, a clanker from C.J. Baird with like twenty two seconds left that kind of just bounced off the back of the rim and in. Um, it was just one of those games that it reminds me a lot of that game at South Carolina two years ago um, when they just couldn't buy a shot to save their life. And it was just kind of the same thing um, in this game. And and it is credit to Texas, Texas Tech and what they do. I mean, they clog the middle and they force you to kind of push it out or drive baseline. And like we said, yeah, they got plenty of open looks and they, they just couldn't get any of the drop. But I mean, you look at the stats, you know, only four guys scored for Michigan. Um, I mean, I know they have a balanced scoring attack, but when you only have four guys score um, in your lineup, you're, you're typically not going to win a lot of games. And I think, like Jordan Poole said, and like everyone was saying after the game, even Coach Beeline, um, they really picked probably the worst worst time of the season for them to have, you know, obviously one of their worst shooting performances of the season. Well, I know fans are sad, disappointed, shocked by how the season ended, but really, if someone told me or a lot of us in November – that this Michigan team would win 30 games and make it to the Sweet 16, I wouldn't have believed it, but I would have taken it. Uh, this was a really good season. I think the thing with that is, I mean, I know the players, it was more so of a dis- disappointing finish more than a disappointing season. Yeah. Um, I don't think any, anybody in the locker room said it was a disappointing season. I mean, it's kind of hard to say that when you win, uh, you have back-to-back 30-win seasons for the first time in program history. Um, That's quite the accomplishment. I feel like, it's disappointing in a sense that they came up empty, like they're not hanging any banners. They didn't win any titles. I mean, obviously, they had chances to do that. They fell in the, you know, Big Ten regular season title. They had that a chance to get that when they lost that state in the regular season finale, and then they had a chance to become the first team three-peat in the Big Ten tournament, and then the, the lead kind of got away from them there in the in the final few minutes against State again. Um, so I think it's disappointing in that sense, and I think a lot of it it stems from just the start they got off to when they got to the program record start 17 and 0, I think that kind of raised the bar and it kind of pushed, pushed the finish line back for them and raised the expectations for everything. And we all know they were one of the last unbeaten teams left in the nation. They, they were just destroying everybody um, throughout the, the first two months of the season. So I think that maybe raised everybody's expectations coming into the season. But um, honestly, when coming into this year, I thought the sweet 16 was maybe the, the floor for them. I thought that's, where they probably where they should have gotten and they did but yeah I just think I get it from a a fan's perspective that um 
it is disappointing in the sense just that they're they didn't win you know they're not going to be able to hang any banners they didn't win any championships and i think that more so also just speaks to the program and the standards it has set now as opposed to, you know, when Beeline kind of first took over this program, um, when it was just, the goal was just to make the NCAA tournament, whereas now it's, the goal is to, you know, to compete for the Big Ten regular season title, compete for the Big Ten tournament title, and then compete for a national title, which, I mean, you think about it, they, I mean, they did all three, although they came up um, short in all three of those categories. Well, looking ahead, and I know the uh, the college basketball season, of course, uh, ends this coming weekend with the Final Four, but Michigan looking ahead and fans are starting to look ahead already. We know Charles Matthews graduates in a few weeks or he's on schedule to graduate. He's not coming back. What do you think of his chances uh, at the next level, James? Yeah, that's a, like, based on what a lot of the players say, I mean, you can kind of read between the lines, it seems like, He's not coming back, although he wouldn't, Charles, after the loss to Texas Tech, he didn't really come out and say that yet. Um, I mean, he's kind of hinted at it several times. Um, although Coach Beeline pretty much said, like, yes, he's going to graduate and they're expecting him to go pro. So I guess that's kind of the uh, foregone conclusion right now, unless barring some unforeseen decision or change of heart that Charles has that he'll come back. Um, but yeah, that's the expectation that he's gone. And um, I don't think his stock has improved any more than it did last season at this time. I think if you think back to last postseason, he was probably the star player for Michigan. He kind of carried them through that NCAA tournament. He was their most uh, consistent player in helping reach the national title game. Um, but the problem with him was that he he suffered that wrist injury early on in the pre-Jeff workouts, and that really kind of hurt him, and he had to cancel a lot of his workouts. And um, Duncan Robinson on a podcast actually alluded to the fact that Charles was going to leave if he didn't get injured. So... I think that's kind of another hint that this was kind of his last go-around heading into the season. But for pro, spot, pro prospects, um, he's going to have a lot of work to do in, you know, these pre-draft workouts um, to kind of show teams that he can be this, you know, one of these three and D type of guys at the next level. Um, a lot of, you know, um, major publications, you know, that do mock drafts. I haven't, I haven't seen his name in any of these mock drafts in the past couple months. Um, not even, I think in ESPN's, you know, top 100 um, prospects, I think he's somewhere in the 60s or something like that, which means he's, you know, outside of the second round. Um, so he could be a guy that, you know, signs, gets a G League contract and, you know, has to maybe kind of show what he has at that level to maybe earn like, you know, a two-way deal eventually in the NBA, or he can just, uh, you know, take the, the overseas route and go make money there. So, but I mean, I think, I mean, he is, when you think about it though, to his age, he, he is older. I mean, this was his fourth year of college. Um, I mean, he's not getting any younger. And I mean, if you want to make money, you might as well, you know, try to make it while you're younger. And, you know, your pro career is not going to, you know, mm -hmm. last forever. So you might as well make it last as long as you can. So I don't know. I, I mean, NBA, I don't think he's going, you know, I don't think he's going to be drafted in either of these first two rounds this coming in June. But I mean, obviously, if he if he lights up, you know, pre-draft workout or he really has a solid showing and really, you know, an average team, anything can happen. We've seen that. But yeah, I just, I think he's probably going to end up being a, uh, taking a G League route type of thing or taking an overseas deal and then kind of having to try to work his, his way up to get a look at uh, the NBA from that way. Iggy Brozdakis and Jordan Poole uh, might test the draft waters. Uh, I don't think we know for sure they if they are or they are not yet. Do you think either one of them are, are really ready for the next level, James? For Iggy, he kind of, he got up to that good start. I mean, obviously when Michigan played a lot of, a lot of top teams early on in the season and he pretty much showed that I mean, he could handle, he could play well against competition and he could defend, you know, top guys. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of tough for me to say. I mean, I've, I've tried to talk to scouts and 
really a lot of scouts didn't really want to talk to me, but uh, I mean, he could. I mean, I could definitely see him leaving early. I mean, he's he's an older freshman. It's um, it's just one of those things too where he's just going to have to kind of show what he has in these pre-draft workouts. But I think I, I'm not going to be uh, surprised at all. I, I I expect both him and Jordan Poole to declare early and to test these draft waters just because how the rules have changed the last couple of years where, I mean, you can go and you can get these evaluations, you can get this feedback, um, you know, and get these workouts in front of NBA teams. Um, I mean, it's really, it, it just seems like, I mean, it's a no brainer for them to go and do this. Um, I know, you know, coach Beeline might have some hesitation for guys. I mean, if there's like, if you have no chance of getting drafted to even go and waste your time, because obviously they want to get, their off-season workouts and programs, you know, underway right away, get the, you know, these guys working with a uh, strength and conditioning coach, John Sanderson, um, and not have them, you know, wait, waste time, you know, that kind of maybe puts them behind schedule for these off-season workouts. Um, but I mean, Iggy, Iggy and Jordan both could, I mean, like I said, it, weird things can happen in these, in these workouts. I mean, Jordan Poole goes in a workout and just like lights it up um, and really catches the team's eye. I mean, he could, you know, really garner some interest and same thing with Iggy, but um, just based on their season, like I think a lot of teams too, if you think back to some of the more recent guys that got drafted, you know, like DJ Wilson, mm-hmm. he kind of had that hot finish and that's really what helped his stock. Um, no, none of these guys have really had like really hot finishes to the season, you know, that, so it was really not that recency bias in a sense, you know, that maybe could really catch a team's eye. I know, you know, the thing with Jordan Poole is maybe his inconsistency and his shot selection is a big word that's been popping up the last few weeks with him and, I mean, Iggy's, Iggy's been, he's been consistent. Um, I mean, he's, he kind of has his own flaws as well, you know, about, you know, reading, making reads and kind of working off ball screens and his three point shot is it's improved throughout the season, but I mean, he obviously has his, his things he has to work on, but I mean, I definitely expect, expect both of those guys to declare and just to test the waters, just to get, to, to get feedback and see what, um, see the, uh, you know, the valuations they can get. And I wouldn't be surprised if, Isaiah Livers and John Teske do the same thing too. I mean, it's one of those things where you kind of really have nothing to lose and everything to gain in a sense, just to get, you know, see what, see what NBA teams think and, you know, uh, get feedback on what you need to work on. But then again, also, you know, maybe coach John Beeline maybe has a different take on that. And, you know, it feels like if a guy has no shot at, you know, kind of garnering some sort of interest or might, they might just think it's kind of a, a waste of time in a sense and kind of makes them fall behind in, in terms of, you know, getting guys on schedule for, you know, their off-season workouts and kind of getting ready for next year. No, it's going to be interesting uh, four or five weeks to see who declares, what happens, because uh, they have until actually late May to wait and find out uh, if they're going to go in the draft or, or pull themselves out of the draft, don't they? Yeah, I don't know the exact dates in front of me, but yeah, they usually have they have the uh, the deadline where they have to declare and then usually they have 10 days till after the NBA combine, which is in Chicago. I believe that wraps, I think that's from the May 14th to the 19th. So then I think they have 10 days after that wraps up to have to withdraw their name from the, um, from consideration so that they can maintain their eligibility and return to school. So I mean, yeah, there's, there's still plenty of time. I mean, obviously guys can declare early anytime and then they can withdraw their name, you know, anytime before then. Um, obviously last year we saw with Charles Matthews, he waited until the, withdrawal deadline to kind of take his name out. Um, and then, you know, uh, Mo Wagner kind of made his announcement that he was going to kind of leave and hire an agent before then too. So it's kind of, it really just depends on, on the players, I guess, whenever they want to de- um, kind of declare early for the, the draft. And then I guess as to how long they want to stay in it. 
um, and, you know, kind of withdraw their name. But yeah, there's still plenty of time. We have almost, you know, two whole months, I guess, for this whole process to kind of play out. And I guess the one thing that helps with these guys too, is that they're not kind of, I guess they have a little bit more time to think about these things and not be rushed as opposed to last season when, you know, they made it all the way to the national title game and they're one of the last two teams playing. So I guess they kind of have that extra, you know, week or so, or, you know, a week and a half to kind of, uh, make these decisions um, well, as opposed to when they did last season. Yeah. Well, well let's just say that uh, Jordan Poole and Iggy test the waters and then come back, which I fully expect that they're going to unless something something very strange happens. But what does Coach B need to do here in the off season? And I know he's going to be trying to tweak next year's team, think about what he can do better. But what do you think he has to do to make this team more efficient, especially on offense? Yeah, he got he asked that after – after the last loss to Texas Tech. And, I mean, he's just talking about how their numbers, their synergy numbers, they're just not a good one-on-one team um, when it comes to one-on-one situations. Um, and I mean, I think we, we've seen that all throughout the season. And, and I mean, the thing is, though, too, if they return if they return all their guys, I mean, they're going to bring in – they have two incoming freshmen. They got Jalen Wilson coming in. They got Cole Badgema coming in. And then if, if Charles Matthews leaves, then that's going to be, you know, barring any sorts of other guys transferring or – anything like that, they'll return everyone else. And then they have the two coming freshmen. So you're basically returning, you know, your book of your roster. And this, this is a team that shot, I think the worst three point, it was the worst three, three point shooting team, John Bjorn's had since 2010. Um, and I mean, obviously it was one of the best defensive teams he's had um, at his, during his tenure here in Michigan. But I mean, I don't know if the offense is going to really get a whole much better to be perfectly honest in one season. I mean, you just, I guess the hope is just that, Guys are going to improve their numbers. You know, Jordan Poole is just going to get more comfortable working off the ball and kind of creating his own shot and, you know, um, creating plays off the dribble. Um, same thing with Iggy and ball screens. Um, if he comes back, you know, um, making plays for others and kind of making reads. And uh, so I, I don't really know if there's – I mean, it's, it is it is going to be interesting. I mean, like I said, you're going to have everybody back from a team that, you know, was one of his – not one of his <laughs> – better offensive team so and that's the one thing coach Bielan always talks about is he is he adjusts to his uh to his team strength and his personnel and I mean to a degree I mean he did that this year I mean obviously they were a defensive team and he said that throughout the season I mean that's what that's how they won the majority of their games is leaning on their defense um but yeah that's going to be the the million dollar question with this team I mean I don't know if Dylan Wilson's going to come in and you know be playing minutes right away I know Cole Badgema he's a he has a deep shooting stroke, which is he's known for. So there's going to be things that, you know, Michigan's going to, you know, covet. I mean, that they desperately missed this season. But as we all know, the big thing with freshmen is, I mean, you got to play defense. If you're not playing defense, you're not going to play. Because um, like we saw with Adrian Nunez, I mean, he's known for being a, you know, a long-range shooter, but he played the least amount of, of the five freshmen they have just because obviously there's there wasn't a lot of minutes to begin with at um, the kind of the two spot, but he probably also wasn't earning many minutes um in practice um so yeah it's, i think it's gonna be definitely interesting i don't know how much john beyond gonna be able to change with this offense but like i said i think you're just gonna have to hope um guys can just make a leap um in their shooting percentages you're gonna have to hope xavier simpson just spends his entire summer shooting three-pointers and if he puts in the amount of work like he did for his free throws and if he can get his three-point shooting up you know maybe to just a respectable you know 35 percent or something just so you don't have um, defenders sagging off you and kind of clogging the lanes, which is kind of what killed Michigan in a lot of games. Um, anytime Jordan or Charles would try to drive, you know, the point guard would just kind of sag off and cut off that lane. And 
so the offense, um, I mean, there's a lot of kind of moving parts with the offense, but I think, yeah, just the biggest thing is they're just going to hope some of these guys just from the offseason workouts, they can kind of just take that next step offensively and just kind of, you can see the uptick in their numbers. Um, and then that will hopefully open a lot of things for their, for their offense next season. You've got to hope so. I know as we've been talking about, Coach B said after the game, uh, we were not a great offensive team this year. We don't have those one-on-one kind of players, which I don't think you necessarily have to. But the, the three-point shooting, I've always thought a shooter is a shooter. I mean, you can, you can shoot and practice as much as you want in the offseason, and you can improve your game. But shooters are just falling out of bed shooting. These guys that can really nail it, that's what they do all the time. I just don't see us with one of those guys right now other than Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is by far their, their most talented shooter. I think Isaiah Livers, I mean, he was their top shooter percentage-wise. I think he was the only guy over 40%. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at who else they have. I mean, Charles Matthews was a de- he was more of a – he's kind of a streaky type of shooter. Um, I think when you think about when it comes to threes and Xavier, we know um, he can kind of be a liability at times on the offensive end. Um, there were times where it was almost like he was playing four and five just because – defenses would sag off him and dare him to shoot. And then to his credit, he made teams pay several times um, when they did do that. But yeah, it's just, I think that's the one thing this team was missing was just this outside shooting. And you can just look at, I mean, the team that they had last season, I mean, that's where all that shooting went. I mean, you had Mo Wagner, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, Duncan Robinson. I mean, those were, you know, three of their top outside shooters and they all left. And yeah, it's, it's kind of tough to replace. And I think the hope is maybe that, Jalen Wilson and Cole Bajma can come in and kind of help um, provide that spark. I mean, they're, they're both guys that can shoot from outside. Um, maybe John Teske can shoot better numbers. I know he he's shown that he can hit the you know the pick and pop five, but I mean, if you still look at his, I think he's still shot under thirty percent for the season. But maybe you know he can maybe shoot that at a higher percentage. And I think when you look at this roster, I think there really is there's really not a ton of three point threats like they have. But then again, it's another thing too. Like uh, Coach Beeline said, I mean when you know, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, and like he wasn't a valiant three-point shooter when he entered in his career. So it's it's one of those things too that guys got to get used to, um, you know, getting to do throughout their career. So I don't know, maybe you know, there's hopefully the, I'm guessing the hope is that you know a guy or two can make that that step next season and kind of become that another volume guy. Maybe you know Isaiah Livers. Um, I think they need to put him more because, um, like I said, he's probably one of their better three-point shooters, and they need him to shoot as much as possible. I don't think Xavier Simpson's ever going to be a great three-point shooter, but like I said, if he can just become respectable, in a sense, I think that kind of helps things. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they really have a ton of three-point threats on this team like they had in seasons past, which is what, you know, kind of if you think about Beeline's better offensive teams, that's what they had. They had tons of uh, three-point threats and, you know, kind of five shooters on the floor, but that wasn't the case this this season, and and it certainly showed at times on the offensive end. It's been a very entertaining tournament thus far heading into the uh, the Final Four this weekend, James. I think my favorite game, though, was the uh, Purdue-Virginia overtime game on Saturday night. Man, uh, the Boilers put on quite a show. They just ran out of gas, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I honestly didn't get to see much of the games. Um, Outside of Michigan, I kind of caught the ending of the – the Michigan State Duke game. I mean, that was a a back and forth battle. I think everyone expected. Um, but yeah, it's kind of. I think the one thing I think the probably the one standout player from the tournament. Yeah, was Carson Edwards. I remember when they were playing Tennessee. It was then the ending of that game was kind of going on right before Michigan's game against Texas Tech, and they kind of had that playing on the scoreboard or on the video board, whatever you 
if you will, up at uh, the Honda Center. And, I mean, several Michigan players were watching that game kind of play out. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, Carson Edwards, I mean, I could just see a stat line. It was pretty incredible. But then, yeah, the, the finish that Virginia had, I mean, it just goes goes back over the half-court line and they get it in and they just knock down the shot to force OT. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you think about this Elite Eight round that they had, it was probably one of the most exciting Elite Eight rounds they've probably had in, in uh, recent history. But, I mean, that's that's certainly what fans like. And, I mean, I think that kind of just speaks to, you know, why it's, uh, why it's March Madness. No, I think we've been treated to some great basketball so far. And, of course, uh, well, this week we've got the Final Four coming up. You saw Texas Tech against Michigan. You've seen the Spartans three times uh, so far this year. How do those two teams match up? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, I think – I don't think uh, Michigan State will have – as much trouble as they as Michigan had against them, um, I think because we know Michigan State's a better um, offensive team in terms of efficiency. Yeah, that's going to be a it's going to be an interesting matchup just because Texas Tech coach uh, Chris Beard was talking. He had a conference call earlier today, and he was talking about how he tries to model his team kind of around like stuff that Michigan State does with you know playing with toughness, rebounding, being physical. Um, I think it's going to be a I think it's going to kind of be a grinded out game. I mean, I think every game that Texas Texas Tech has played so far has kind of been that, except for the Gonzaga game. I think Gonzaga kind of sped them up, but I think, you know, Texas Tech showed that they, I mean, if teams want to kind of play faster, they can they can score with teams as well. Um, and I know, obviously, Michigan State's going to try to push the pace and uh, push the tempo to maybe kind of get them running and maybe not allow them to get set. But, yeah, that's going to be a grinded-out game. I think that's probably going to be another game that's probably in the 60s somewhere but I think just watching Michigan State what they've been able to do this season has honestly been incredible I mean you lose two of your top three guys and you just continue to find a way to win you win the Big Ten regular season title you win the Big Ten tournament title and I mean Cassius Winston just I mean he's obviously one of the best players in college basketball so if I was a betting man I would probably put my money on Michigan State just because it seems like they have whatever it is you got to have it seems like they have it in this tournament but I definitely don't think It'll be an easy game. I think it'll be another kind of one of these grinded out games that kind of goes down to the wire. But I think uh, Michigan State will be able to do enough to uh, to kind of knock off Texas Tech and represent the Big Ten and hopefully win Big Ten's first national title since what 2000 something like that. Yeah, Michigan State last won it. Well, and I think they have as good a chance as anyone because uh, you know, of course, we all know you have to be hitting on all cylinders and you have to be lucky uh, in the tournament, but. The inside game, the outside game, the defense has been outstanding for Michigan State. And you mentioned that Cassius Winston, he, he's the difference. He's playing just such impressive <laughs> basketball right now. I guess I have to say, I, you know, having seen everyone now that's in the Final Four, I wouldn't be surprised if they do win it. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm like. It's just you, you almost can't put your finger on it. Like, I mean, obviously this isn't one of Tom Izzo's most talented teams he's ever had. I mean, I think you could say last year's team was arguably more talented. I mean, they had two lottery picks, and they couldn't make it up the first weekend. But, I mean, it's just just something about this team. I mean, the chemistry, whatever it is, I mean, you could just see it from an early early point this season. I think guys just got into – they just have these established roles, and there's just guys just kind of click. I mean, I don't think there's many egos on that team. I think everyone kind of gets along, and everyone kind of knows their part. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, the – you know the parts kind of make up the the whole of this thing and kind of everyone just works together and it just it's been clicking like I said all season long and yeah I don't like I said I can't put my finger on it I don't know if anybody can but 
they just seem to have that that it factor with this team that they can just uh, that they can just win the whole thing. Well, last question for you, James, and we'll circle back to uh, to your beat Michigan basketball. And we, of course, have to wait a long time now for for next season. And we've talked about the things that Michigan needs to improve. They need to, of course, get better from long range. Really, there's a lot of things they need to do. But would you say right now, and thinking Iggy's coming back and Jordan Poole's coming back and some talented freshmen, that Coach B is going to have the pieces to make another Big Ten championship run and 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 be you know a Sweet 16 team possibly next year again? Oh, without a doubt. I think if you think about this season, I think uh, – I think more people probably would have been looking towards next season as the next kind of time for them to really make a run. I think this season, I don't people, some people labeled it a rebuilding year. I don't know if I'd necessarily say that, but um, they're obviously a young, younger team. They lost a lot of experience on last year's team. Obviously the main, the main guys that helped them get to the, the national title game. Um, but yeah, I think, I think next season was kind of like probably what, I think was going to be this team gearing up for the next big, big run because you're going to have a lot of experience on the team. You're going to have, you're going to have several guys who are going to be, you know, seniors. You're going to have a lot of, a lot of juniors. You're going to have a lot of guys that have, you know, two, three years experience, you know, starting. And I think that's the one thing they didn't have this year. I mean, you only had a couple, two year starters and Charles Matthews and, and Xavier Simpson. And that's it. I mean, a, a lot of those other guys were all kind of bench guys playing, you know, limited roles off the off the bench behind starters. So I think I think next year is definitely going to be the year where they can probably make some serious noise because, like I said, experience is going to be the biggest thing that they're going to have next year as long as everyone comes back. And then I don't think they're going to have as much a problem with their their bench. I mean, we all know that was kind of their one, one of their biggest weaknesses this season is kind of getting that and kind of getting guys to stand out. I think next season they'll kind of have a better idea of, you know, who's going to be playing roles right away. I think they're, they'll be able to play deeper from the beginning. So, yeah, I definitely think next season is going to be one of these things where I think a Sweet 16 is probably going to be the floor. Like, I think that'll be, like, the worst case that people will be expecting just because, like I said, they're going to be bringing back so many guys and they're going to have all this experience of guys who know what it takes to kind of make deep runs and kind of make, make it through this grind of the Big Ten at, at making, you know, when they expanded to this 20-game schedule. So, yeah, I definitely think that I think – just me personally, I think the expectations will probably be, I think they would be higher than this past season. But then again, I don't know, obviously, how many people viewed it. I mean, coming off the national title game, I know obviously the expectations are kind of heightened coming off something like that. But I think, I think, you know, like I said, Sweet 16 is probably the floor for next year's team. And definitely there should be a team that's in the hunt that, that should be there in the last week of the season um, competing for the Big Ten title. And I agree with that. With us here on our game day segment uh, this week has been beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. And James, you've been so very gracious with your time uh, starting in December and then all through the season with your crazy schedule uh, covering this team. Uh, I know our listeners love to hear from you. I enjoy your, uh, making yourself available to us uh, so often. Again, we thank you and we look forward to uh, getting you back on Talking Michigan Hoops with you. Thank you, James. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, spring practice is going strong right now, but there is not much news to speak of, and that's okay. 
There will be an open practice for fans this Saturday, 2.15 p.m. in the Big House. Next Saturday is the spring game or practice, and that's going to be at 5 p.m. In the next few weeks, we'll get back to some football chatter on the show. In softball, we took three from Rutgers last weekend on the road. All-American Megan Bobian picked up two wins and is really rounding into shape. She is 13-3 on the season and has overcome her very brief early season struggles. We have Toledo at home midweek and a three-game set with one of the best teams in the country this year, Indiana. We are 23-10 overall, 6-0 in Big Ten play, heading into this week's action. Baseball continues their solid start. We took two from San Jose State at home last week, then another two from Michigan State as Big Ten play got underway. Sunday's game with the Spartans, though, was rained out. Like softball, we have Toledo midweek at home and stay here this weekend for three with Minnesota. We are 19-7 overall, 2-0 in Big Ten play. Don't forget our free show app is available in both the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on iHeart, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a moment to comment or rate the program, and we thank you in advance for doing that. That will do it for another show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!